Well, hello everyone. I'm excited to get to be back here with you guys this morning sharing the message. It seems like it's been a while since I've had the opportunity to do so. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Carmen Harper and it is my immense pleasure to serve as an associate pastor here at Woodlawn. This morning, Joe is preaching at Worship at the Water and he'll be back here next week. So last week, he began a sermon series discussing the decisions that we make. The intention of the series is to show that if we make better decisions right now, we will have fewer regrets in the future. So I'm going to be picking up where he left off last week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you asking that you will bring our hearts and minds into alignment with yours. You have saved us and are making us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. If we are to be like him, we have to make good decisions about our lives and our behaviors. Reveal to us today where our motivations are wrong. Show us how you would have us to walk. Help us to lay our desires down and hear from you this morning. Holy Spirit, we depend on you here. If you are not present, all of our efforts are in vain. Come and use me to do your will. Move me out of the way that the people will see only Jesus. And it is in his awesome and holy name that I pray. Amen. Now, when Joe left off last week, he said that we were going to be taking a look at five different things that were going to help us to make better decisions. And he couched them as questions. So if you were here last week, you know that he said you had to come back this week to find out where the series was leading. And he also gave you some homework. Do any of you even remember that? Guess not. It means none of y'all did it. F. Okay. So he asked us to memorize Proverbs 27, 12, which says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the same simple keep going and pay the penalty. You see, prudence and wisdom lead to better decisions. The scripture says that the prudent one sees the danger and takes refuge. And that means that folks that are not prudent look only, sorry, people who are prudent look not only at their decisions, but also the consequences because if we're going to make a decision about anything, it's going to have consequences, right? So when you go into a decision, you need to think not only how does this serve me in this moment, but how is this ultimately going to affect me and those around me, my family, my job, my ministry, my community. Now, I love the book of Proverbs it contains so much wisdom. And part of what it does is it contrasts one thing against the other. And this particular verse is a perfect example of that. The prudent seek danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So think about it this way. I'm walking down a dark road in the middle of the night and I see up ahead a gang of rather seedy individuals. Now I have a choice. I can take the advice that is found here and hide 
or I can continue down the road until I'm face to face with the band of miscreants. Now, at this point, I'm totally at their mercy, right? It's only me, and they are them. Now, that would be a rather stupid decision on my part, wouldn't it? Now, this is what this verse is saying at the natural level. And you can see how it has some value from my example. But the purpose of this verse, as with most things that are contained in the Word of God, is for our spiritual well-being. So we look at this verse in another way. Let's just say there are two people who are married, not to each other, who get up and go to work every day. And I feel like sometimes the women pick much too much on the men, so I'm going to say that these are two women. They go to work, and when they get there, they encounter someone who very blatantly displays their interest in them every day, day after day. Now, these ladies aren't blind. They see very well what is going on. Now, let's just say that neither one of them are happy at home. Their husbands are at work more than they're at home, and even when they're home, it seems like they're somewhere else. They feel unloved and unnoticed. So they get up and they go to work every day, and they encounter these guys again. You look good today. Is that a new dress? Oh, you got your hair cut. I love it. Now, at this point, both of them have a choice to make. Do they give in to their temptations and allow these guys to sweep them off their feet? So let's just say the first one, she's a Christian. And although she is not crazy about the state of her marriage, she has made a commitment to it and to him and to God. And she really does love him. So she tells this guy he needs to knock it off and make sure that she is never in the situation where she is alone with him because she can see the danger up ahead and she hid herself from it. Now the other one decides that she's going to start working more closely with this guy who's flirting with her because after all, it's not going to hurt anyone. They're just words and they make her feel better. There's nothing going on. So she takes an assignment where she's going to be working alone late at night by herself in the office with this gentleman. And a month down the road, they enter into a sexual relationship. What started out as harmless fun has, tend to, has turned into something that she could never have anticipated. And she feels guilty about it, but not enough to stop. She justifies it by the fact that her husband pays little attention to her anyway. He must not care for her very much. Now, the first woman, she put up boundaries, and two months down the road, her marriage begins to turn around, and it seems that she and her husband are finally on the same page again. The happiness between the two of them bleeds over into their three children, and it's better in their home than it's been in a long time. Not for the other lady, though, because her husband starts to really miss having his wife at home with him in the evenings. So in an effort to surprise her, he stops and gets dinner and takes it to her at work where he finds her in the arms of another man. 
He is devastated and files for divorce. And their three children now are bounced back and forth between two unhappy homes. That's the kind of thing this verse is talking about. So what is it that made the one woman make the right decision that was different from the woman who made the terrible one? Well, the first woman had made a decision that no matter what the externals that, that were going on in her life, she was going to be a person of integrity. She was not going to make her decisions based on the whims of her emotions. She could have went the wrong way and felt good in the moment, but she would have had to pay for it. Now that's the question before us today. Do we live lives of integrity? Have we made the decision that we will despite our circumstances? Integrity is defined as being honest and having strong moral principles. Like the first woman in my story who chose to be who she has been called to be even though she was tempted to enjoy the attention of another man. But she wasn't going to give in to that temptation because she knew that it was wrong. She put a stop to it before it got out of hand. And by the way, can I just say here that about 90% of affairs start just like this. Someone begins to cheat on their spouse just like this. They feel like they're not getting what they need at home and clearly life is all about their own happiness, right? So they begin to give in to their temptations and in no time they've crossed the line that they can never come back from. So lack of integrity is being the woman who ruined her own family. She lied to herself from the beginning, saying it was only harmless fun. She justified her actions and her behaviors when there was no justification, simply because she was tempted to do it, and it felt good in the moment. But that's the thing about sin, isn't it? It always feels good in the moment. That's why it tempts us. Right up until the time we have to pay the consequences for it. And that is where we are this morning. We get to decide who we want to be and how we're going to live our lives. Are we going to be people of integrity? Are we going to let the whim of our emotions make our decisions for us? Now I want to talk to you about a biblical character that showed great integrity. His name was Jeremiah. He was a prophet in Judah from around 626 B.C., when God first called him into the ministry until about 587. The prophet Zephaniah that you read about in the Bible was his mentor. And he was related to the prophetess Huldah who operated around the same time. His ministry spanned through the reigns of five of Judah's kings. Joshua, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and finally, Zedekiah. And if any of y'all are pregnant, those are all good names. <laughs> Zedekiah, by the way, <laughs> was the last king of Judah. 
So God called Jeremiah to preach the coming destruction of Judah. God's people had become as bad as the pagans around them. They even began to sacrifice their own children to pagan gods. Now the last thing these people wanted to hear was that God was going to destroy them. In fact, they lived under this false belief called the inviolability of Zion, which basically that just means that because God had chosen this place and his temple was here and therefore his presence was here, that he would never destroy this place. But they didn't realize that God does not reside. The temple was not big enough for God, nor is the universe. And the actions of his people meant a whole lot more to him than his home. So by this time in Israel's history, they had divided into two kingdoms. Ten kingdoms became the northern tribes of Israel, and there were two that become, had become Judah. Now the ten tribes of Israel by this time had already been destroyed because of their um, sin and failure to repent. So they had been carried away by the Assyrians. And into this context, Jeremiah begins to preach, you need to repent. What you're doing is wrong. God is going to destroy you. He's going to come. He's going to use those from the north to come and take you away. But these people clung to that false belief that God would never destroy them. In fact, things were so bad, Judah, the only reason they really existed at this time is because the king was paying tribute to the king of Babylon. So in order to keep maintain his country and his ways, he had to give money to the king of Babylon, which was Nebuchadnezzar. So he was a vassal, really, to another nation. And if it came to that, they could never stand up against Babylon militarily. So Jeremiah walked day by day in this environment preaching about the coming destruction. God is sending these people from the north. They're going to come and carry you away. All these things are happening. And at the time, Jehoiakim decides that he's going to quit paying tribute to the king of Babylon. And not only that, but he's going to enter into an agreement with the king of Egypt, which is the king of Babylon's worst enemy. Jeremiah goes to him and he says, man, this is stupid. You can't do this. You have got to make this right. Jehoiakim won't listen. So Nebuchadnezzar comes, takes Jehoiakim prison, and gives the throne to Jehoiachin, his son, and takes the other king back to Babylon. Now, Three months later, Nebuchadnezzar decides he's going to come take Jehoiachin and carry him off to Babylon. And he makes Zedekiah his brother king. And these people still don't seem to get the picture. Two kings have been carried away prisoner to another nation in the span of three months. Jeremiah is still there preaching the entire time about their sin and need for repentance. But they refused to listen. You would think that Zedekiah, the new king, would 
use some sense and act right, you know, but he does not. In fact, Second Chronicles 36, 11 through 14 says, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the leading priests and the people also were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they polluted the house of the Lord that he had consecrated in Jerusalem. So let's take a look at this. Zedekiah is king. Both his dad and his brother, the former two kings, have been carried away captive. The priests are called exceedingly unfaithful. And they have polluted the temple. And the people are still counting on the fact that God is not going to destroy them or that temple because that is his resting place. Sounds a lot like the America we live in today, doesn't it? Now, through all of this is Jeremiah. The weeping prophet is what he's called. And Jeremiah has kept his integrity and obeyed God through all of the things that have happened. And he's continued to preach whatever God has commanded of him. So for his obedience, Jeremiah was arrested and put into prison. Later, he was dropped down into an empty cistern and would have died there if it not for a faithful man going and begging the king, please let me take Jeremiah out of here and bring him back to the prison. And so he does. So King Zedekiah, the ironic thing about this is that he really and truly believes that Jeremiah is telling the truth because twice he secretly goes and gets him out of the prison and brings him and ask him what he should do. And both times, Jeremiah says, surrender to Babylon. This is God's judgment. You have to submit to it. He didn't do it. So it would have been easy for Jeremiah to have begun to tell the people what they wanted to hear because there were other prophets doing it. He could give up preaching about repentance because they weren't going to listen anyway. When placed in prison the first time, he could have said, okay, okay, I give up. I will not continue to talk about God's judgment and the destruction of Judah. He knew things weren't going to get any better. Listen to what he says about the heart in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? He knew full well that the people around him were going to continue in their sins. They would continue to turn away from God and they would continue to persecute him because he was telling them the truth. He understood that, that, that they wanted to be deceived. Jeremiah was a man of integrity. No matter what it cost him. He was going to continue to walk in obedience and be the man that God had called him to be. Unfortunately, Zedekiah chose to rebel against Babylon 
despite having seen them take away his own family, despite the words of Jeremiah that he knew would only speak the truth. For that rebellion, the army came. They took Zedekiah. They made him watch as they murdered his children in front of his face. And they put out his eyes before they took him back to Babylon. Now, unlike the other kings that went before him, there is no evidence that he actually made it there. So that there's a good chance that he may have died during the journey from the injuries that he had suffered. Two very different men. Two very different decisions to make. One chose to follow God no matter what the cost. The other chose to be disobedient when he should have known how much it would cost him. He had seen the evidence of it with his own eyes. But that's the thing about it, isn't it? There is part of us that always knows this is a bad idea. And those of us who are Christians have the benefit of the Holy Spirit living within us who is never going to let us get off course if we will only listen. So it is the decision that we have to make. Are we going to choose to live lives of integrity? Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for Jeremiah and his life and example. Thank you for his obedience that even in the worst of circumstances he chose to do what's right and we can too. We can choose to be radically honest and live our lives as an example to others and in such a way that you are glorified through what we say and do. When we live those kind of lives counter to the world around us, we stick out like a sore thumb. We become light shining in the darkness. Help us choose today to be like Jeremiah, Lord. And even if it costs us, help us to do what you ask. Give us the courage to speak the truth in love, even if we believe the world around us will not listen and will not respond. Because the results are not up to us, Lord, they are up to you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.